Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Welcome to week two of a series, What Was I Thinking? (laughs) This is a series where we're pausing strategically to think about what we're thinking about. Now, this is really important. As one sage author put it, I love how he put it, why is it so important to think about what you're thinking about? Watch your thoughts, they become your words, then watch your words, and they'll become your actions. Watch your actions, because they'll become your habits. Watch your habits, because they will become your character. Watch your character, because it'll become your destiny. Watch your thoughts, right? Because they will become your words. Watch your words, they will become your actions. Watch your actions, they will become your habits. Watch your habits, because they will form your character. Watch your character, because it'll determine your destiny. How important is what you think about? It's of paramount importance. This week, we're gonna talk about this, this idea of trust, this idea of how your thinking determines your level of trusting. Now, we kind of all know trust is important, don't we? Oh, man, nobody is in a relationship with anyone, obviously. It's an essential ingredient in every relationship. Trust is an essential and significant relationship, uh, ingredient in every relationship. And God chose to put our connection with him in the context of a relationship. Trust is of paramount importance. Trust is an essential ingredient. We all need it. And we're born trusting. We're born into a trusting relationship. As newborns, we put, we put our whole life in the hands of fragile and imperfect people called parents. We trust they know best. We trust they're gonna show up and step up and provide and protect. We trust those things. And then as you grow up, you realize that they're a lot like you. They have needs. They're limited. They're broken, just like you. All of a sudden, trust gets broken as we grow up. We're born trusting, but then we become doubting. We become doubting over time. It's hard to trust because we'll all experience broken trust. Everyone will. And maybe we should say that out loud. If you're online, you can join us in this. But like, I, trust has been broken with me. Can you say that out loud with me? Trust has been broken with me. If that's not happened, you've probably been the one breaking it. <laughs> like trust, trust in breaking relationships is fairly common and normal. And you know, I, I like it what one person said. They said, don't trust everyone you see. Even salt looks like sugar. And it's true. We're always lied to. We're lied to by influencers. We're lied to by celebrities. I always love those stories when you see some sort of headline relationship strategies from a celebrity. I'm like, what? They're, they're like married like a year and a half and it's over. It's like, what am I going to learn from you? Show me somebody who's been married for 50 years. But that's not, that's not glamorous, right? But isn't it interesting when you go through life and you begin to trust people and people get lied to all the time. Celebrities lie to us. Influencers lie to us. Marketers lie to us. Our family, friends, and work colleagues, they lie to us. And guess what? You lie to yourself. 
Trust is leaking every day. Trust leaks all the time from us. So it's really hard to trust in this life because we've all experienced broken trust. It's really hard to trust too because we all like control, don't we? Don't you like to be in control? We love certainty. We don't like being in a place where we need to trust or have faith. Trust and faith is what exists when you do not have certainty. If you have certainty, you don't need trust. If you have certainty, you don't need faith. So trust and certainty exists in a place that we find awkward, a place that we don't actually want to be. I remember a couple speaking to me, talking about unhealthy. Uh, he had put cameras in the home, so he was able to watch his spouse when he was at work to see if she was working. He wanted certainty. His need for certainty, you already know, ruined his marriage relationship. Why? It's a fine line between certainty and control, isn't there? Trust, something beautiful grows in trust that you can't have in certainty. Trust is something I give someone that I love. If someone gives you trust, it's a rare gift. Be very careful with it. Protect that trust. It's a rare gift they give you. If someone's broken trust, ask yourself, is this a mistake or is this a pattern? A mistake, we grace it. Why? Because you do it too. We grace mistakes. But patterns? Patterns become habits. Habits form your character. Character determines your destiny. Habits or patterns of broken trust, pay close attention to those. So trust is a rare gift we give people. Trust is a hard gift to give God. I mean, you know this is true of trust. Like uh, when, when everything's great, it's easy to give, right? It's really hard when it's hard. So I told you each week, we're gonna sing a song. I had my music team, our music team prepare a song each week that's gonna anchor to our teaching time. And I was thinking this week, which song to give you. And it's an ecclesiastical type song. Speaks about life. Speaks about aging. Speaks about getting older. Speaks about the uncertainty and the difficulty of trusting amidst change. Isn't that hard? When things are changing, you need to trust. But how hard is it to trust when things are changing? Really hard. Unless you're the one orchestrating the change, right? This song is called Landslide. mountain I turned around and I saw my reflection in the snow covered hills till the landslide brought it down oh mirror in the sky what is love can the child within my heart rise above can I sail through the changing ocean tides? Can I handle the seasons of my life? Oh. Well, 
made of changing Cause I built my life around you Time makes you older Even children get older And I'm getting older too Great job, guys. Thank you. How many knew that song? How many have heard it before? Put your hands up. Okay, a few of you. Uh, it was written by a woman named Stevie Nicks. She wrote it in like eight minutes. Uh, it would, you would think she would have been much, been much older in life. She's still alive today, and she is older in life today, but she wrote it when she was 26. And you think at 26, what do you know about life being stuck? What do you know about that? But here's what was going on in her life. She was in Colorado at the time. She's waitressing. This idea of the landslide was from the mountains and everything just sliding down and just blowing everything away that she loved and knew. She's waitressing. She's stuck. She wanted a music career. Nothing's coming together. Life is changing. She has a partner she doesn't feel like she can trust. Trust is eroded. She's in a place where she feels like, I can't control anything. I like the honesty of that song. I love the honesty of a book found in the older part of the Bible. If you've been around One Church the Old for any length of time, you know it's one of my favorite books. It's the book of Ecclesiastes. And the reason I love it is because it, it's so honest in a way that's a little uncomfortable. It says things like this, and, and uh, he also, the writer will say this, I devoted myself to the search for understanding and to explore by wisdom everything being done under the heavens. So a great experiment going on. I soon discovered that God has dealt a tragic existence to the human race. I observed everything going on under the sun, and really, it is all meaningless like chasing the wind. What is wrong cannot be made right. What is missing cannot be recovered. I mean, it's a radically honest book at the look of the human life. It's not a Hallmark movie type book. It's a real life documentary about the real things that you and I live in every day. In fact, it's not wearing its Sunday best church clothes, it's wearing a hospital gown, the book of Ecclesiastes. 
Ecclesiastes sits on the edge where you do of disappointment, of pain, of love, of joy, of money, of, of, of uh, faith being fractured and gone. It sits on that point of lust and love and everything else that goes on in life. It speaks really about it. Ecclesiastes tells you all the reasons why you shouldn't trust. It tells you why you shouldn't trust in your own health, your strength, your intellect, trust in relationships, trust in power or money or sex. It tells you all the reasons why you shouldn't trust. And what's interesting is it doubles down on it in verse 11 of chapter one. It goes on to say this. We don't remember what happened in the past and in future, gener and in future generations, no one will remember what we are doing now. Not the type of guy you invite to a party. But this is life. We don't like talking about it, but that's life. I, you know, I really appreciate the prayers of this community, but like last December, I lost my dad. My dad was born in, this is my dad when he was 30-some years old. Uh, you know what's interesting is, uh, dad was born in St. John, New Brunswick. He was 90. Uh, it's not like it was a massive shock. It was a massive change, though. And it's amazing the feelings you have. I know my dad's faith. I know where my dad is. Uh, but, but it's hard to talk about him still. I know some of you are grieving recent losses. I've been praying for you. It's so discombobulating. You're vulnerable in these moments. But my, my dad's dad was a man named Stuart Smith. I remember Grampy Smith. This is when he was in his 20s. He was born in Buenos Aires, Argentina. He was a, a, a tea merchant. He, he died when he was like 94. I remember when he kind of left this earth because I was at his funeral. I was a kid at the time, but I remember it. He had Alzheimer's, so I didn't know my grandfather really well, but, but I had a lot of respect for who I was told he was. And then this is my great-grandfather, George Smith. My dad never met him. He was born in England. He never met him. Obviously, my dad was born after. He had three wives. The first two died. I don't know what he was doing. but <laughs> And the last one buried him. <laughs> I, you know what? It's funny. I don't even know who my great-great-grandfather is. I have no clue. I barely know anything about my great-grandfather. I know a little bit. Uh, Anne Lamont, the author, says it this way best. I like how she says it. 100 years from now, all new people. Why is that good to remember? How much stuff do you sweat every day? A hundred years from now, what is it going to matter? And often the things that matter most, we sweat the least. Often the things that matter most, that eternal connection to God, the value of the people sitting around you right now as a community, often they take a little bit of a back seat because there's pressures in different areas of our life that, that get our attention. There's glitter all over the place. That seems to matter, but you know 100 years from now, all new people, all new people. Nobody likes to talk that way, but it's true. I'm drawn to the honesty of Ecclesiastes. What's interesting is at the end of the book, after everything he tells you, why well, you can't trust. Don't trust people. Don't trust in your health. Don't trust money. Don't trust these things. They can't deliver what they promise. He even challenges our trust in God, but this is how he ends his book. He says this in the very end. And last and final words is this. Fear God and do what he tells you. 
In other words, trust God. But here's the problem. Can you really trust God? Can you trust him with your life? Can you trust his ways over your ways or the world or the culture around us ways? Can you trust his ways over that? Can you trust him with that guy you'd like to have or that girl you'd like to have? Can you trust him with your career path? Can you trust him with your finances? Can you trust him for your welfare? Can you trust God? It's hard to trust God when you're in unknown spaces and places. When things are changing all around you, when fearful realities are squeezing in on your life, it's when, you tr when your trust is cornered, though, something unique happens. Your thinking about God is revealed. It's when your trust is cornered that what you think about God is actually revealed in that moment. Again, trust is easy when life is easy. Trust is hard when life is hard. Trust is a difficult thing to do, but it's there in the dark, right there in the dark, that you don't see things as they are, you see things as you are in those moments. A lot of us find ourselves in places, and maybe you're there today, where trust is very fragile with people or maybe even with God. You're here each week, but you're not sure you can trust them with what you have on your docket each week. Where does trust grow? How do you grow trust, and why is it even important? What you're thinking determines, though, your level of trusting, and it can make a difference. So I'm going to give you two quick points, and then we're going to pray at the end. The first one is simply this. How our trust positions us to be blessed. I want to show you how our trust and our level of trust positions us to be blessed. Now, before you get away too far with this one, let me unpack it. There's a great proverb. I love this proverb. I think you'll love this proverb. It's a, and a proverb is a wise saying in Scripture. And the proverb goes like this. It says this, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Can I get a witness? Okay, let's say it together. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Man, now we're talking, right? This sounds like, okay, I got this plan, God, and I'm going to give it to you, and it's going to succeed. That's what we think it says. That's not what it's saying. How'd you know I was going to go there? Nothing easy, right? <laughs> it's interesting, the word commit is an interesting word in the Hebrew. It means to roll over onto or put your weight onto. So what the verse is actually saying, it's saying, put all your weight on God. Roll everything onto God. Trust him completely. Put radical trust in God. And then you'll make wise plans. That's what it's saying. Radically trust who God is. Unconditional trust is hard though, isn't it? Are you capable of unconditional trust? What does it mean? It means that, God, I'm going to obey anything you tell me, whether I understand it or not. God, I'm going to accept anything that comes my way from you, whether I understand it or not. I'm not going to bail on my relationship with you based on my circumstances. That's what it means to commit unconditionally. How hard is that? Unconditionally, I put it all on you. You know, I, I think, I think you, maybe I can explain it better this way. I tell you all the time God loves you. I don't know who needs to hear that today, but God loves you. Now, you could go home today and say, listen, I believe God loves me because the pastor told me God loves me. No, you don't. You wouldn't, 
if you believe God loves you, we wouldn't live like we live. The only way you can know God loves you is you need to experience God's love. Now, how do you experience God's love? Well, you've got to stay around long enough to find yourself in a place where you think God has abandoned you, where you feel like he has left you, abandoned you, and ignored you. But you stuck with him, only to find out in your next chapter, oh, he didn't leave. He was there all along. Have you ever been in that place where you felt like God wasn't listening and God had left you, but you stuck with him? And now in another chapter, you're like, oh, thank God he didn't answer that prayer. Thank God he, oh, he was there all along. He was right there with me all along, guiding me. He was there in the community of people. He was there in so many ways I couldn't see it in the moment because I wanted God to be doing this, but he was doing something different. I wasn't even looking. It's only after you begin to see that you realize, oh, God loves me. God loves me. Boy, because love doesn't fail. Love is faithful. Love is not happenstance situated. Things are going good. You're behaving good. I love you. No, no, no. His love, regardless of what's going on, is present. So you know God loves you when you experience God's love for you. So we need to remember, but the problem is for all of us is you got to stay around long enough. I was struck by one of the testimonies of someone being baptized today just that she had grown up in this church. And when she had the opportunity, stopped going to church, which I get. <laughs> and then in the vacuum of that, found herself back in the community of believers, finding Jesus afresh and anew for herself. You know, it's often in the vacuum. It's staying with God, and I commend her because she leaned back in with God. When you bail, you miss out on the opportunity to actually experience God's love to actually grow in his trust. Now, how do you do this? Listen, just remember, Jesus doesn't bail on you. That's one of the ways you don't bail on him. Shelly and I uh, took my son's dog. I've told you about this dog. Uh, she's eaten almost everything in our house. Uh, this is my second pair of glasses. She ate my last pair. Uh, she's, but I love her to pieces. I can't, I can't lie, guys. I love this dog. And I took this dog to get vaccinated this last week. And she does not like the veterinarians. And she knows where she's at, and she climbs up on my lap in the vet's office to get away from the vet. You know, because it's easy to trust when things are going well and you're getting a treat. It's hard when you're going to get a needle. It's really hard. So we're in line to get, check this dog in, to go get the, the shot, Shelly and I are. And there's a guy in front of us, and he comes up to the vet staff, and he's going to pay his bill. He has a little cat, like a tabby cat, like a normal cat, type of cats that my wife and I would have seen in barns on our uncle's farms growing up. This is a cat. And the woman says to the man, he says, oh, he says that will be $6,548. We almost gasped like you did. And we were right behind him. $6,548? What did they do to this cat? Must be a bionic cat or something like that. Like, that's unreal, $6,548. You know what I found interesting? He didn't blink. He didn't blink, there was no protest, there was nothing, he passed his card over. And then he reaches down, because the cat's in a little cage, they kind of rub the cat. Typical cat, ignores him, wants nothing to do with him. Doesn't even give him a purr, nothing. 
The thing is like highfalutin. And I'm sitting there going to this cat. I want to say Garfield, listen. That guy just paid $6,548 for your life. You're lucky he's your owner, not me. Because I would have said, oh, that'll be $6,548. I'd say, well, now what's option two? I love animals, but I would have bailed. <laughs> Jesus isn't built like us. The price tag on you and me was higher than $6,548. It cost him everything. Everything. And he wouldn't bail on you. I love the account in the Gospels when Jesus is caught up in a storm with his disciples on a boat. This is Rembrandt's picture of that. And you know the story. Jesus is falling asleep in the boat a big storm, like these seasoned fishermen have never seen, never seen anything like this. And their navigator, their guide, their leader is sleeping. And they wake him up and they say, Lord, don't you know we're dying? And when Jesus wakes up, it's interesting how he responds. He says, where's your faith? Where is your trust? I always find it interesting, and whenever you're reading God's Word, make sure you circle or grab a piece of paper or highlight digitally whatever part kind of disturbs you or just seems different. Something's different about this. Jesus so often responds so tenderly to people. This seems a little sharp. It's, it's direct. Where is your trust? Where's it gone, guys? I, I think to understand what Jesus is saying, you need to understand what it's like to be a parent. And some of you have been parents. You know, at some point in your, your child's life, they're going to say these things to you. They're either going to say, I hate you, or they're going to say, you don't love me, because you're withholding something from them they want. And your immediate thing, it's hard not to react as a parent, isn't it? That gets quiet in here. <laughs> because you do want to say, you want to say, listen, you have no idea what I've sacrificed for you. You have no idea what I've done for you, what I've given to you. Do you understand? Like, how can you doubt my motivation in withholding something from you after everything I've done for you? There's a little bit of this in Jesus here. There's a little bit of like, hey guys, don't you care that I'm dying? Don't you know that there's a storm coming of God's wrath? and his justice. And I want you to know I'm going to bow my head into that storm. My father's going to abandon me, and I am going to sink to the lowest level. But I'm going to take that storm for you. Don't you think, guys, if I wouldn't abandon you in that storm, why would I abandon you in this storm? I don't know what storm is in your life right now. I don't know what is causing you maybe to say, I don't know if I can trust God. All I know is if he won't abandon you in that, he's not gonna bail with you with what you're going through right now. He's right there with you. But if you don't stick it out, you won't have those moments where you can look back and say, he was there all along. He was there all along. He answered in a totally different way than I actually thought he would. And you know, this is why I love having friends that are older in the faith than me. You know, sometimes I, I, I listen to young married couples, and I've been there too. I remember being a young married couple, and I remember all, you know, it, for Shelly and I, those were not easy chapters in our relationship. 
You know, some people don't need marriage counseling. Sometimes you just need to have a meal with couples that are a lot older than you, that have been through a lot of stuff, and they can impart the wisdom about navigating life and not sweating the small stuff in a relationship, right? Some of us just need to stick at it. Some of us just need to push through and persevere. We don't want to bail. Why? Jesus didn't bail on you, and he won't bail on you. He won't bail no matter what you're going through now. Oh, but you don't understand the mess I made of my life. You don't understand all the things I've done, all the relationships I've broken, all the terrible things. Yeah, but Jesus isn't going to bail on you. If you're imperfect and broken, you're a perfect candidate. Jesus came for those who were sick and knew they were, not for those who think they have it all together. So in this moment, we determine ourselves to anchor ourselves to the person of Jesus. And that's how you can begin to grow in your trust. Then you'll be able to experience his love. Then you'll be able to experience his trust. You'll see that he's faithful. The second thing you'll notice is that trusting actually helps you grow in your confidence. It helps you grow in your confidence. Again, remember that verse. Commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. You'll want wiser plans when you commit to the Lord. Now, it's interesting, committing to the Lord, as we mentioned earlier, this isn't easy, to radically trust who God is, to put all your weight on him, to put all your ambitions and dreams on him, all of your needs on him, push it on him, that you want his way, you want his way over your ways. In that case, we need God's guidance and blessing in our life. We need his direction in our life. I think when we realize that maybe we don't trust well and we trust imperfectly, you can wonder, can I trust that God will be there for me then? Like, is he going to bless me if, I, if I've abandoned him? I'm sorry, friends, my mic is just falling off my ear here. If, if I, will he abandon me if I don't trust in him? And the answer is No. It's interesting, and this is one of the beauty things about in the Old Testament you begin to read. You get to see how God relates to his people. And in the Exodus chapter 13, God's people are in captivity in Egypt, and God begins to lead them out in Exodus 13, and he leads them with a pillar. Some of you might remember the story from the Old Testament, but it was a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. And it was interesting. This is what we want. We all want a pillar in our life when it comes to discerning God's will and what's the decisions we should make in life because we want to know what we should do next. And the pillar provided that for God's people. Listen, if the pillar stayed still for five days, they camped there for five days. If the pillar moved ahead, they moved on. No decisions to be made. Just do what the pillar says. And that's what we want. We want certainty when it comes to God's will. I can't tell you how many times as a pastor someone's come to me and said, I have decisions to make and I want God's guidance. I want the discernment of God. I want to know what God's will is. And what they're really craving is a pillar. God, just tell me. Just tell me. I, I don't like the tension of trying to guess. Just tell me, what is it I should do? What we're also seeking is, maybe you do, I wonder how many of you I've read this ever in the older part of the Bible. It's the Urim and the Themen. Anyone heard of the Urim and the Themen? Very, very small parts of the Old Testament is there. There are two stones that were in the breastplate of the priests of the, of the tabernacle. And they were used often to discern what God's will is. It was for a yes or a no answer. Uh, historians don't even fully know how it worked. 
but they believed that two stones were taken out and they would be rolled or something like this, and if they landed a certain way, it'd be a yes from God. If it landed a certain way, it'd be a no from God. You can even see some points in the Old Testament where there was no answer from God. There's a guy named David who would become the king of Israel who went to God looking for an answer to the ermine and the thurman. And it was simply this. He was running from King Saul at the time, and he's trying to escape, and he comes up on a city, and he said to God, God, if I go in the city, will the people give me up to King Saul? And the answer came back from God, yes. So David didn't go into that city. Makes sense, doesn't it? He didn't have to make a decision. He didn't have to use his wisdom. He didn't have to think about it. He got a definitive answer and he just did it. See, in the New Testament, you don't read anything about the ermine and the thuman. You don't read any of that in the, Old Te- in the New Testament. But emotionally speaking, we still have it. Usually it's framed, look, I'm looking for the peace of God. And maybe I've been even guilty about that when somebody asks me, what's God's will? And I say, well, do you feel a peace about it? But there's a danger in anchoring your decisions around your emotions. Emotions are a part of your decision-making process. Thank God for emotions. I know we make light of them sometimes, and sometimes there are enemies. They certainly can be. But God is an emotive being, and so are we. So we come by those honestly. Those are not bad things to have. We don't want them to control us, but they're a part of us. But I know this. If we're discerning the will of God just based on how we're feeling a peace or not a peace, how would Jesus have discerned going to the cross? Father, should I go to the cross? I don't have a peace about it. Would you? Of course you wouldn't. It can't be solely anchored to something like that. We want the certainty that comes with it, but it can't be solely anchored to it. You'll see in Scripture, your emotions can be part of it. You'll see in Scripture over and over, wise counsel of others. I had someone call me up uh, a few weeks ago, and I will not name this person. I won't even joke about who it is. (laughs) But they said, I want to ask you something, but I don't want to ask you because you'll probably say no. (laughs) And right away, like, I'm interested. Like, I want to know. And they had heard about something, and they wanted to know if it was a wise decision. And I could see immediately, this is not a good decision. So I just said, well, why do you think I'd say no? Because I know you're going to say, but they really wanted to do this. It had to do with money and everything else. And I was just like, Fuck. does it, listen, if, if everybody is winning in this investment strategy and everyone is guaranteed a return, listen, you don't understand how money works. In order for some people to make money, other people need to lose money. So I said, let's, let's, let's Google the company that you're thinking you should invest in because you saw it on Instagram. <laughs> And it said, scam, 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 scam. (laughs) You know, the wise counsel of others is very valuable. Don't go asking the people you know that are your friend group that are just going to say, you're amazing. Absolutely. Go ahead. You're gorgeous. Do it. (laughs) You you all have those friends. You all have those friends that they're going to just tell you whatever's going to make you happy. I'm here to make you happy. And one of the ways we do it is we just pump each other's tires. Oh, yeah, you're amazing. No, you're amazing. No, I said you're amazing. You know, maybe we need a few of those friends in our lives. And if you don't have any, you need at least one. Because, you know, every once in a while, don't we need that? 
No, you go to the people you know are wise and that love you enough and have a track record of being able to say no to you. And then ultimately, Scripture, which helps us discern what God's ways are over our ways. But it requires trust to listen to people and it requires trust to listen to God. Why doesn't God just tell you what to do? I'm glad you asked. Imagine you had a six-year-old daughter. She comes up to you and says, hey, Dad, I want to go out to play ball. The girls are playing across the street. I'm going to go play with them. And I say, well, we're going to have supper, though, 5.30. I'll call you to stay there. Don't go far, and then you can come in. Imagine, you know, 16 years later, she's 22. She calls you. She's at university now. Hey, Dad, the girls are playing basketball across the street and stuff. I was just wondering, could, do you think I could go and play basketball with them? And I'd be going like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, uh, what did I do to you? <laughs> like, you know what you can do. You know your capacity. You know what your schedule is. You know, this is, it's up to you. Make a decision. Make a decision. Now, as sad as it is, and unbelievable it may be, there are some parents that would love their children to remain that dependent on them. Very careful, you know, as parents. You gotta let your kids make some mistakes along the way. Why? You made some mistakes along the way. But what you want to do is to always stay in the position of being able to be a great coach, somebody that can keep them from making seismic wrong decisions. If you're going to take on every decision for them, you're not preparing them to make good decisions. You need to allow them to exercise, and you need to have faith in them. And again, that's not easy. I know that. But I know when it comes to trusting, when it comes to putting your trust in, God is not like one of those parents. He wants you to make a decision. He wants you to be like him, made in his image, capable of making wise decisions. See, friends, in the Bible, you can be sure of many things. You don't need to pray about, God, is it your will whether I lie or not? It's very clear in Scripture that lying will move you further away from the things of God, and truth will draw you closer to the things of God. So you don't need to pray about that. You don't need to wonder about that. That's pretty close. I don't need to wonder, should I bow my head to other idols, the idol of power or sex or money? It's very clear in Scripture. No, serve him only. There's only one king in this life. Very clear. For the other areas, you got to trust. You've got to do as the writer of Ecclesiastes says, fear God and do what he tells you. Don't bail on him. You see, the beautiful thing about trusting God is when you commit to the Lord, whatever you do, when you put your full weight of your life on God, the full weight of a decision, the full weight of your future on God, all of a sudden, you're in Christ. You're in Jesus. You're going to make the type of plans that will succeed. You'll make wise plans because God's Spirit has been shaping you through His Word and through the community of believers. So here's my counsel to you. Make a decision. Make a decision. Ask the right people. Emotionally, listen to your emotions. And then make a decision based on the counsel of Scripture. See, trust is something that you need to exercise. And listen, what if I make a wrong decision? Grace is there to meet you. Grace is there to meet you. So... I mentioned earlier my great-grandfather. 
On my sabbatical, uh, at one point, I found myself in Victoria, British Columbia. I was uh, at a church there. I, the movement we're a part of had flown me out to take part in meetings, and, and I visited a church there in Victoria, and I was flying into Victoria, and I realized, I remember my, a conversation with my dad decades ago when he said, hey, your great-grandfather is buried in Victoria. It's like, oh, oh, okay. So I'm flying in, I realized, man, I should have done some research where he's buried. I called my older sister. She said, well, I know the name of the place. It's Royal Oak. So I said, okay. So I had my son Keenan with me, and I said, hey, do you want to go find your great-great-grandfather's grave? And, you know, he's in his 20s, and he's just like, sure. No, that's not how I went. It's like, if this would make you happy, Dad, that's what he said, something like that. So we go to this graveyard, because there's nobody there. There's no administration. It's on the weekend. It's all closed down. We look through hundreds of graves, hundreds of graves. I'm about to give up. And all of a sudden, this man's great-great-grandson found his grave. And it was here. It says, in loving memory of my husband, Reverend George Smith, called June 2nd, 1930, the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting life. You know what was interesting as I kind of sat and realized the person underneath my feet, I never meant, my dad never meant, my grandfather didn't, wasn't raised around him because my grandfather's mother died when he was like four or five and he was shipped off to a boys' school. Kind of happened that way in those days. And this man is underneath me and I'm realizing in this moment, I loved what it said, called. He was called home. I don't know him, but I'll, I will know him. I know where his faith was. I know in whom he trusted. And the great step all of us take alone is that last step. Learn to trust God in this life so you can trust him with that step. When you see how trustworthy God's been, when you come to that point in life where God calls you home, you can trust him. You look over your shoulder and you realize, oh, he's never bailed on me. He's not going to bail in this storm. He's going to see me to the end. Let's pray. Father, I pray for your children, your people. Everyone online and in this room is fearfully and wonderfully made. And God, there is something and there's evidence of it that we gather here in your name we do trust you, but would you help us with our untrust? <laughs> we, we do have faith, but would you help us with our little faith, God? And God, you said, trust as a mustard seed can move a mountain. So God, in this moment, in this space, in this place, we place our trust in you. I'd like to pray with those of you maybe You've never taken a step like the people who were baptized today to say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to place my trust. I want to weigh the, I want to roll the weight of my life onto God. And I want to trust him with my children, with my life, with my thoughts, with my marriage, with my relationships, with my finances. I want to trust him with everything. That's you. I'm going to ask if you're in this room to do something. Again, everybody's kind of just in a place of prayer. 
but there's something about taking a step. I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand if that's you. Just go ahead and raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. There's a lot of people who have just raised their hands. You can put it down now. If you're online, in a moment, I'll give you a chance to respond. But if that's you, I'm going to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. Jesus, I place my trust in you. Only you can carry me. Will you take me as I am? All of my flaws, my brokenness, my regrets. And God, would you not leave me as I am? Would you change me? Fill me with your spirit. Forgive me of the things that I've done that have harmed my relationship with you, broken relationships with others, or even harmed myself. I choose to trust you today to commit my life to you. Fill me with your spirit and lead me. Where you go, I will go. What you say, I will do. I commit myself to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time. Thank you.